feel like we just pray and go home now. That's a little Johnny Cash to get the evening started. Amen. A little different. For those of you who don't know who Johnny Cash is, you just ask your grandma or your grandpa. They'll tell you, tell you about Johnny Cash. Um, I want to start out tonight. This has been tense all day. I almost changed my open illustration because of the tension it caused. But I'm like, no, I want to lean into this tension because it's fun. I want, to, I want to talk to you all about conspiracy theories. And, and here's what you need to know. I love to read. I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd. And I love to read about good conspiracy theories. Now, some I don't have time for. I, I, QAnon, I don't have time for it. I watch the videos. There's nothing to it. I don't believe it. If you're a QAnon believer, thankful that you're here. You're wrong. But I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm talking about like, did we really land on the moon? So, see, here's the deal. For years, I believed we did. And about six months ago, I was reading something, and it brought to my attention the only reliable information, that, I put reliable in air quotes, that we landed on the moon is information from our government. And we know they ain't scared to lie, right? It, no, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, they ain't scared to lie. So I'm like, well, maybe um, aliens, I, I, I've put my cards on the table. I do not believe in aliens. Every time I say it, somebody sends me a, a picture that the grandma took. Listen, your grandma was on crack. She did not see an alien. And if there are aliens out there, they stopped and looked at Earth for about four seconds and went, nah, they, they, we, we don't want that planet. And they have kept on moving, okay? Um, the JFK assassination, the, was it really Lee Harvey Oswald or were there other people involved? I, I believe there were other people involved. I, I don't believe it was, but, but I love digging into good conspiracy theories. Now, the reason I bring that up is because there's not a more conspired group of people on the planet, more, more conspiracies about them than the Jews, the Jewish people. It's, it's, Sad and fascinating at the same time. Uh, there's one conspiracy that said that the, Jew, that the Jewish people actually run the government of the entire world. And I laugh at that because I'm, they're, like, they're like less than 1% of the population of the world and they figured out how to run the world. Good for you. But I, I don't believe that one. Um, the Jews control the banking system of the entire world. That's a conspiracy. I don't believe that one. Um, my favorite one, though, my favorite one is the Jewish space lasers. This is not, I'm not making this up. There, there is a group of people that believe that Jewish people have space lasers that cause the California wildfires and stuff like that. And if that one is true and you are Jewish, if you could let me in on that space laser thing, because traffic on Clemson Boulevard in December, somebody needs to get space lasered. And if we could just space laser a couple people, I feel like, I feel like my walk with Christ would be better, if, and, and I could blame it on you. Anyway, the Jewish people, the Jewish people are, it's, it's insane how much that this group of people are hated all over the world. And I don't hate the Jewish people. I love Jewish people. I really do. I've been to Israel. I've shared this before. I've been to Israel like 16 times. I have sat at, with Jewish families, Messianic Jews, um, Orthodox Jews. I have and I love these people so much. And it's kind of insane since the last time we talked about this, how much anti-Jewish sentiment 
has risen up, not just in the United States, but all over the world. And I think I can explain it. I think I can explain it starting off. Now, this is gonna be our foundational verse. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he wrote this verse. Now, this verse, the very first time I ever saw it, uh, I was, it was on a Christian T-shirt, and it was one of those verses that just popped. And I said, that verse, I, that verse is gonna stick with me for the rest of my life. And it has, because it explains so many things. It says this, Paul said this in Ephesians 6.12. He said, for we, and he's talking to people in the church, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, demons. Yeah, it gets real tense when you use that word. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against spirit, evil spirits in the heavenly realm. Places. Paul said, Paul said there really is a spiritual war going on. Now, <laughs> there's two problems when you talk about spiritual warfare. There's some people that don't believe in it at all. They don't believe in spiritual warfare. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in demons. And what most of those people have in common is uh, you fall in the category of what I would call a devil's puppet. Because if you don't think he's real, he can use you anytime he wants. On the flip side, there are people that believe in it too much and they blame the devil on everything. Oh, pastor, I was on my way to church and the devil stopped me and I couldn't come to church. No, Glenda, you ran out of gas. It was not the devil. You're stupid, okay? Fill up the gas tank. The light was red. You should fill up your gas tank, Karen. I, I, I'll just throw out names, okay? So we are involved in a spiritual war. There really is a spiritual war going on. So with all that in mind, with a spiritual war going on, hatred, anger, violence, rage, especially targeted against the Jewish people, which, by the way, you should at least appreciate the Jewish people. They gave us some good stuff, like the Bible. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was a Jew. Amen. He wasn't a white boy with feathered hair with product in his hair, like all the pictures we saw in our Sunday school class. And so with all that in mind, Jesus, who was Jewish, was talking to his disciples, who were all Jewish, on the Mount of Olives, which is in Israel, um, and they were having this conversation. It's called the Olivet Discourse. And in Matthew 24, and we talked about this several weeks ago, Jesus kind of goes through what's gonna happen at the end times. But then Jesus says something interesting. And then it jumped out at me when I was preparing for this message in particular. I've never preached on this passage. Um, Jesus said, when, I love when, not if, but when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Now, I love that. I love that because, first of all, Jesus acknowledges that Noah was a real person. And then he goes on to say this. Jesus says this. He said, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. And Noah said, I'm on a boat, Ann. And if you know what that means, shame on you. All right, but I didn't, people, somebody told me. Um, people didn't realize what was going on to, uh, until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So Jesus refers back to Noah. Now, here's what's cool about the Bible. We don't have to speculate what was going on in the days of Noah. We can just flip back to Genesis chapter 6 and read what was happening in the days of Noah. This is the good part, not the bad part where he did something bad, okay? This is Genesis 6, verse 1. It says this, Then the people, watch this, began to multiply on earth, and 
daughters were born to them. Now, I remember the first time I, it really hit me reading this verse, I was like, ah, were, were, there, were there sons too? I mean, why does the Bible specifically say daughters? And there's, there's a reason, we're gonna get to it. Now, what I'm about to share next, what I'm about to share next, in church world, we have what we call closed-handed issues and we have what we call open-handed issues. Closed-handed issues, um, for me, would be like the authority of Scripture. I believe in the authority of God's Word. I believe the, the, I, there's, it's not a question for me. Um, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that's a closed-handed issue. If, if you don't believe that, then it's going to be hard to believe anything about Christianity because the foundation is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Open-handed issues are like um, when Jesus is coming back, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, um, speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit, and what I'm about to teach. Now, when I tell you it's an open-handed issue, it means I won't fight you about it. But I've done my research. I've prayed over it. The best scholars and theologians that I've been able to get a, get a hold of and, and read and study and listen to, they are all in agreement on this. But at the end of the day, if you're like, I don't know if I agree with that, number one, it's okay. I can still be your friend. And number two, um, don't email me this week because this is Christmas. We got a lot going on, all right? Here we go. Or you can text in a question next week. We might answer it. Probably not. Verse two, the sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Once again, it's kind of conspicuous unless you just pause for a second and understand that many times in the scriptures, the angels are referred to as sons of God. Something you need to know about angels. And this is gonna blow up somebody's precious moments collection and I apologize for that in advance. There are no female angels in the Bible. No, no named female angels. All the angels are, are male. And so the reason the Bible talked about daughters is because the angels are male and the angels were created by God the ones in heaven and the ones that fell from heaven. These are what we call demons. And the demonic got together with a human because Satan had a plan. Well, let, let, me keep, let me keep reading, let me keep reading. I'm getting ahead of myself, getting ahead of myself. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In, in their future, their normal lifespan will, <laughs> will be no more than 120 years. So. Biden's pushing it, I'm just saying. Verse four, in those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, this is demonic again, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. So this is like the demonic getting together with the human. It's, it's the demonic realm invading humanity. And it was happening in Genesis 6, this is what was happening in Genesis 6 because Satan cannot create. He can only counterfeit. So God can create the human race. Satan can't create, but he can counterfeit. And one of the things that Satan was trying to do is he knew, according to Genesis 3, it was prophesied that Jesus, the son of God, was gonna come through the human race and ultimately crush his head. So he knew if he could contaminate the human race that he would mess up God's plan. And so he's getting demons to, to get together with humans and he's trying to mix up God's plan because once again, he can't create, he can only counterfeit. God gives us 
love, Satan gives us lust. God gives us joy, Satan can give us temporary happiness. He cannot create, and anything that he counterfeits is never on the level of what God can give us. And so, so this is happening in this text, and it's, it's kind of mind-blowing when we think about it because, number one, his plan failed. That whole flood thing that killed everybody ruined it. But it's happening today. It's a little different, though. He, if you go back to that Ephesians 6, 12, now all of our fights are spiritual fights. He's still trying to invade humanity with demonic ideas and thinking. I, I call it the glitter strategy. Now, I don't know if you're a craft person, if you like making little crafts and all that stuff, little picture frames, and I think the kids, we're, aren't we doing a Christmas tree today? Is that what we're doing back there? Is that what we're doing, to create a little Christmas tree? And, and Shannon does great at the little craft things. I don't, I'm not a craft person. I'm not, I can't put things together. I can't work with my hands. Um, I don't know what to do with my hands. I, I can't work with my hands. Um, but the one thing that I hate, like I hate more than anything in the world, I hate glitter. Because one's got gl- glitter, <laughs> glitter is the herpes of crafts. Once you get it, you can't get rid of it. All right, that's, and don't get mad at me because I am telling the truth and you'll never look at glitter again. I got a text message to, anyway, I'll just leave that alone. Um, it, it, once glitter gets somewhere, it affects everything. So Satan, let me, let me show you how he does it today because most people, when you talk about spiritual warfare, you think um, you're gonna go home and a demon's gonna jump out behind your closet, which if that happens, that's a problem. You, and don't call me, call somebody else. Um, I think, I think he gets us in different ways. I think through this is one of the primary ways he can, he can get us, through the phone. Now listen, I'm not gonna go off on spending time on your phone. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be one of those guys. But I'm saying, every person in this room, every single person, God custom designed you with a plan, on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. But it's hard to focus on our purpose when we're comparing ourselves to other people and we're just scrolling. Oh, I'm not as beautiful as she is. I'm not as, oh, if I had hair like that, oh, I need to go get some work done. So I could, oh, I'm not as built as he is. Oh my gosh, look at their family and that Christmas picture. They're all perfect. Their children are happy. Their children aren't happy. Their children are hopped up on Benadryl. The parents gave them Benadryl, knocked them out, made them drunk. And, and that's the reason they're so, that's, that's the reason they're smiling so big. All right. But we compare ourselves. We scroll and compare. We scroll and compare. We scroll and compare. And then before we know it, we think less than about ourselves because we're focused on what other people look like and what other people are doing. And, and it takes our eyes off of what Jesus wants to do in us and what he wants to do in and through us because we're focused on other people. See how it works? That's spiritual warfare. He, he invades our thinking by saying things like, he can't create boys and he can't create girls, so he just tells girls they can be boys and he tells boys they can be girls. Perry, are you trying to say that that whole gender thing is demonic? No, I'm not trying to say it. I'm saying it. Like, I'm flat out saying it. When it happens in other countries, we call it it uh, genital mutilation. 
What happens in America, we call it gender-affirming care. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's still evil and demonic, but we have, we have created a society that says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let a five-year-old who's confused make a decision about the rest of their life. Thank God. When I was five, I thought I was Batman. My mom and dad did not affirm that belief, okay? I'm not Batman, but I thought I was for a minute. Satan works and he moves and he tries to get our thinking. Hey, this, is what, this is the one I love. This is the one I love. And I actually believed this for a while. Church should keep its mouth shut when it comes to politics. That's a lie. That's, now, I believed it. Don't, don't, don't hit me with separation of church and state because it tells me that you're uninformed on the subject. The phrase separation of church and state is nowhere in our constitution. I'll give you $1,000 if you can find it and you give me $1,000, you give me $1,000 if you can't. It's not, this whole, why is it okay for a non-Christian with non-Christian ideas to state their opinion, but somebody that believes in Jesus and loves the Lord not be able to state their opinions and their ideas? I, I, this is how I say it. It's okay to state our opinion. We just shouldn't be a jackass about it. Okay? So, and, and the whole thing about Christians not being involved in politics, then what do you do with like Joseph, in, who was basically the vice president of Egypt? And what do you do with Moses, who was a political leader? What do you do with the whole book of Judges, which is based on political leaders? What do you do with Esther and Mordecai and Isaiah and Daniel, who all stood up in un- godly places that were doing ungodly things and said, no, this is the way, this is, I'm going to speak up, I'm going to speak truth, I'm going to stand for the Lord. What do you do with these people? The idea that Christians should keep their mouth shut, can you see how that's a spiritual idea, trying to silence us and shame us and cancel us? They can't cancel the church because of the resurrection, I mean, they tried to cancel Jesus. And three days later, he was like, how you like me now? So, so if they can't, <laughs> And he said he would build the church. So, so you, got, you got this demonic thinking invading our thinking. We've got to be real careful. One of the things we've got to pray through all the time is, is that true, is that true, is that true? And then you got Genesis 6, 5. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. We're not there yet. Now, we're, we're closer than we were like 20, 30 years ago, but we're not there yet. When I first began preaching, one of the popular, I call it the cheap amen phrases, one of the cheap amen phrases that preachers used to use was, um, and by the way, this is wrong, but they used to say, if God doesn't destroy America soon, he's going to have to apologize for destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'd be like, God, apologize? God, apologize? Sorry, about the whole fire and brimstone thing did not mean to nuke your city. That was my bad. Feel bad about that. Like God doesn't have to apologize for anything. So, so when you're looking at, let me, let me tell you how to gauge this. Cause you're like, well, Pastor P, how do we know? How do we know when we've reached this place right here? Keep your eye on Chick-fil-A. I'm telling you, they're the key. They're the key. It's, it's somewhere in the Hebrew, I'm sure. Here's why. When you go to Chick-fil-A tomorrow, cause I'm causing some of y'all to crave those waffle fries and y'all that, Peppermint milkshake, y'all. God, it's got no calories because it's Christian chicken. So 
when you, when you go there and, and you get your food and you order your food and you, and you make your order and, and you say, thank you so much, the person behind the counter is going to say back to you, my pleasure. That's how you know the world's good. Because they say my pleasure. They're always going to say my pleasure. The day you walk into a Chick-fil-A and you say thank you and they say up yours, you know, you know this is happening right here. This is getting ready to, <laughs> this is getting ready to happen. Now we're, we're drifting towards this, but we're not, we're not there yet. I, I do know some good people that have some good thoughts and they're not all consistently and totally evil, right? And then the Bible says this, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah found favor. Now, another word for favor in the Hebrew, this word could also be translated grace. Noah found grace. Noah found grace with God. By the grace of God, Noah was saved from destruction. And the reason I got a smile on my face is because that's my story. If it were not for the grace of God, I wouldn't be on this stage. If it were not for the grace of God, you wouldn't be in that chair. It's, it's by the grace of God. And I love it. God told Noah, build a boat. What an act of faith. You know why it was an act of faith? Because up until that time in history, it had never rained. And Noah was about 150 miles away from the nearest body of water. Talk about an act of faith. So, so, so the grace of God, Noah's under the grace of God, which is why we, get, why, why, which is why we are saved. But then, but then we get to this part right here. Now, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. Now, we talked about this several weeks ago, but this is a review or new, depending on who you are. But this word in Hebrew is literally Hamas. The world was full of Hamas. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the summer. Let me just ask you a question. Since October, since the October 7th attack on Israel, have you seen pro-Hamas rallies springing up all over the world? Could, could we say that the world is literally becoming full of Hamas? Now, there's... It blows my mind that, I don't know if you, anybody saw this, once again, this is so weird, but like Ivy League professors testifying before Congress and people were asking them, is it wrong to say you want to kill Jewish students? And they were like, well, it kind of depends on the context. These same people two months ago, if you would have showed up on their campus and called a guy that thought he was a girl a guy, and he thought you, they would have labeled you misgendered and they would have suspended you. But you can walk around that same campus and chant intifada, intifada, which is basically calling for the murder of people. And they're like, well, we, it just depends on context. Okay, that, that's messed up. Hamas was, a, Hamas was started in 1987, and in their charter, you can actually read this online, in their charter, they call for the destruction of Israel. There can never be a two-state solution as long as Hamas is in power. The reason why is because Hamas doesn't want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution, a state that rules the entire world and puts the entire world under Sharia law. And the only thing good about Sharia law is women can't drive. I'll just kind of throw it out there and we'll just keep moving. (laughs) 
We'll pay for that one later. I'm just, the world is filled. Now, this is what people have said. People have said to me, well, Pastor P, it was wrong for Hamas to attack Israel, but what about what Israel's doing to Hamas? Well, they're defending themselves and making sure it never happens again. Well, what about, I had somebody ask me, but what about blessed are the peacemakers? Okay, well, let's talk about that. That's fair. Sometimes you can make peace through negotiation. And sometimes you can achieve peace through strength. Let's say, let's say you are just getting the snot beat out of you by a random person. And the cops show up. Do you want the police officer to get out of the car and go, listen, we should be friends. Let's find a safe space. Get you with you. No, I, I want peace through strength. World War II. Nobody can negotiate with Hitler. Peace through strength, right? So I started thinking about this. And one of the things is like, what, Pastor P, all the Muslim people in that area of the world are displaced and they're kind of, they just want some land. They just want some land. They just want some land. I want to show you something. You can go find this on your own. I want to show you the, the Muslim land in the world around Israel. If it's about land, then explain this one to me. In the red are all the countries that are Muslim. And this little spot right here is Israel. Who's the bully? Are, are the, Israel's picking on me. I mean, if, if it's about land and the people having land, I would say they've got the land issue covered. It must be something spiritual. It must be something satanic that thinks they can step in and destroy God's people. Now, I'm, I don't believe in replacement theology. Some people go, well, in the Bible where it says God's people in the Old Testament, that means the church. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Romans 11, we got grafted in. We, we are like once we pray to receive Christ, we're a part of them. They don't become part of us, okay? And so at the end of the day, though, when I was really thinking about this and I was kind of geeking out and numbers and statistics and all this other stuff, I literally paused and I wrote down three thoughts. Because I don't want this to be a history lesson tonight. I want it to be an encouraging lesson. I want to be something to build you up. So instead of talking about Hamas in the world, why don't we talk about just for the next few minutes as we get ready to wrap up, the Hamas in us, the violence and unrest in our hearts and our minds. It's kind of hard to fix the world until we understand we're broken ourselves. So let me share three statements with you. I just wrote these down. Number one, our challenges have never been greater. And that is true. I hear parents tell teenagers today, and I shake my head. I went through some of the same things when I was your age. No, you didn't. You didn't have Snapchat. You didn't have, you, you, you did not have uh, TikTok. And thank God I didn't have Snapchat. I would be in jail or dead if I would have had access to some of the things teenagers have. It's, it's tough to be a teenager in today's world. It is tough to be a teenager. Our challenges have never been greater. It was different when I was growing up. I'm around 52. If you're around my age, you'll get these next three things. Like that, if that was your music collection, how many of you had cassette tapes? Cassette tapes. All right, let's get real honest. How many of y'all had eight tracks? 
Uh huh. These are the old people. <laughs> My mom and daddy had eight tracks. I had cassette tapes, and I got mad when I had convert cassette tapes to see. I remember I was like, man, what these CDs, man? I don't know about these CDs. I don't think they're gonna work. And I was right. They didn't. It just took a couple years. Or if you've never experienced that right there, if you don't know what that right there is, then you are missing out. Like that. You remember when that was the best day ever? It's the best day ever. Or this next one, this is awesome. Um, this is how we used to block people. You know what I don't like about my phone is if I get mad, I want to hang up on somebody. I, it doesn't, you just push the button and it doesn't. When I was a teenager or when I was a kid in the 1970s and 80s, we didn't use seatbelts. My dad cut them out of the car. If you're my age, you know what the seatbelt was. You're riding down the road, your mama hits the brake, and and that, that saved more lives than seatbelts. Mama's hand just pinned you to that seat. I was thinking about it. I know where they got airbags from. Because I, I had a small grandma, and I had a big grandma. We almost had a wreck one time, and my, my big grandma did one of these. And she stopped me, but it was that thing under her arm. That's, I think that's where, that was the first airbag. It saved. It's a true story. Our challenges have never been greater, though. We live in a world that is consistently challenging us. And one of the ideas that has creeped into the church, and you've probably heard this, or maybe you've been told this, it's, well, if you're a good Christian... If you're, a, if you're a true Christian, then your life's always going to be good. And if something's going wrong in your life, then there's probably some secret sin. Let me tell you about somebody. Let me tell you something about everybody in this room. There's some secret sin in everybody's life. We're all broken. We all messed up. Don't excuse it. it just, it's just there. But we tell people, if you were a better Christian, if you read your Bible more, or you prayed more, or you went to church more, or you gave more, then your life wouldn't be falling apart. And that's just not true. I know it's not true because there was this guy in the New Testament named Paul. And if you're making a list of influential Christians, Paul's got to be in the top five. I mean, he wrote most of the books of the New Testament. Paul had that he could heal people, um, bring people back from that. He preached one night so long, a teenager fell out of the window and died. And Paul was like, get up. And, the, and he got up from the dead. And then, I wish I had that, but I don't have that. Watch what Paul said. If, if, if bad things don't happen to good people, well, let me pause. Sometimes bad things happen to us because we make bad choices. And sometimes bad things happen to us because we live in a fallen world. Watch this. Paul said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed. Well, Paul, you should read your Bible more. And Paul would reply, I'm actually writing a book of the Bible right now. Thank you very much. We were crushed this is what I love about scripture. It doesn't hide this stuff. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. And this was a man that was following Jesus. We've got challenges in this world. In fact, Three of the greatest challenges that we are facing, and there are people in this room that are facing these challenges, are anxiety, depression, and suicide. All of these dramatically increased. It, suicide 
among teenage girls and men over 50 in the past two years have increased dramatically. You feel how tense it is in the room? It's because somebody in this room is wrestling with anxiety. And somebody in this room or watching online is dealing with depression. Somebody in this room has had thoughts of taking your own life. And I'm just telling you, the reason those things are happening to you is because there is an enemy and Jesus gave his battle plan in John chapter 10 where he said the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy, but then he follows it up with, but I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Not so we can overcome anxiety, so we can overcome depression. We can overcome, so I'm telling you, Jesus Christ in you is bigger than the anxiety. It's bigger than the depression. It's greater than the suicide. And the reason I know it is because I've walked through all three of these things. And the only reason I can stand on the other side and tell you that Jesus can bring you through it is because Jesus brought me through it. And if Jesus can bring me through these things, he can bring anybody in this room through these things. It's just... It's just that thing where people are so scared to admit that they're wrestling with these things because they're like, well, people are going to think I'm weak. That's the point. You can't overcome these things until you understand you are weak. But Jesus in you is stronger than anything the world throws at you. We are weak. He is strong. He allows us to overcome. So that's, that's the biggest point. I, and I didn't say that this morning, but somebody here needs to hear that tonight. If I admit that, they'll think I'm weak. We already know that. I told a lady this morning, the lady that told me she was eight months clean. I said, you're four months away from a year. She said, I know. She said, I'm fighting through it. I told her, I said, listen to me. I'm the weakest person you will ever lock eyes with. I have fought and lost and fought and lost and fought and lost. The only reason I'm able to stand here today is because of the power of Jesus. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Number two, our potential has never been greater. There's some things in life I don't like. I don't love being in unfamiliar places unless I'm with some people that know the place. I don't love being in cramped places. Anybody get claustrophobic? Anybody get, yeah, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like being in cramped places. And I don't like it when things are pitch black dark. I don't like it. Never have. Never have. So several years ago, I was in Israel in a cave in the ground with no light, except for this one dude that had this light. And so we're all like in this cave under the ground. We're kind of walking through, looking for some, and it was, it was a cool, anyway, while we were there, it's not important, nothing illegal. Um, I do have those stories. But, but we're kind of walking through this cave and this guy has this light and his light went out. And I'm in a cave. I don't know how far underground. And I feel like the walls are closing in. And I don't, I only knew like two or three other people. Everybody else, I didn't know them. So I'm thinking, oh, snap, this is it. 
I'm going to have to fight in the dark. And all of a sudden, I saw, I saw that. I looked at my friend. I said, where did you get a flashlight? He said, bro, it's on, it's on my phone. I said, what kind of phone you got? He said, I got an iPhone. I said, I got an iPhone. He said, then you have a flashlight. I said, I don't have a flashlight on my phone. He said, give me your phone. I gave him my phone. He pushed a button. I had a flashlight <laughs> on my phone. And I cut on my little flashlight. He cut on his flashlight. We had a friend with us, had a droid. He didn't have a flashlight. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, in that cave, we could see because, because of the light. Now, the truth is, we live in a very, very, very dark world. Can you imagine how dark it would be if just all the lights went out tonight? But light always shatters darkness. And that's just one light. What would happen if in a dark world, people decided, yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm gonna let my light shine. That, that when people, people are standing for the world, I'm gonna stand for Jesus. See what's happening? It's happening all over the room. This is, what this is the potential. This is the potential we have. When the world gets darker, we get brighter. When the world gets darker, we shine brighter. When, when the world gets darker, all of us let our light shine. And guess what? Light always shatters darkness. Jesus' light in us will always shatter the darkness in us. I've cut the lights back on. Some of y'all need to check your purses. This is a second chance. Number three, our God has always been stronger. Always. Stronger than what, Pastor P? Anything you're going through. I remember, I remember, it's going to take some of y'all back. I'm going to see one of my favorite Christmas movies. Now, we can, like, talk about Christmas movies. I love Christmas Vacation. and In fact, I love sitting down with people that have watched it and kind of quoting it together. And, and I was trying to think of a good quote that I could share, but there's none I could even share from this stage. Um, <laughs> I, I lo like Elf. I love Elf. Um, Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie, by the way. And if you don't agree with me, then yippee ki -yay. Okay, I'll just kind of leave it there. But one of my favorite Christmas movies is Rocky Four. What day did Rocky fight Avon Drago on? Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. Thank you very much. So I remember when I went to the theater... And I saw Rocky IV, I was nervous because th this is like America versus the Soviet Union. And we all know the reason the Soviet Union failed was because Rocky and Rambo. But we didn't know it at this point. We didn't know what was going to happen. Same character. We didn't know what was going to happen. And so I'm watching because the Russian had beat everybody. And Rocky, went, I remember being nervous in the movie. But at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, snap. See, we didn't have the internet. We couldn't go on and read Rotten Tomatoes like what happens. You had to go to the movie to figure out what happened in the movie. I remember being nervous, but now... I mean, it's, it would kind of be weird to get nervous watching Rocky Four because I've seen it and I've seen the end and I know that Rocky wins every time. And the reason I bring that up is because as I shared a few weeks ago and I'll share it again, we've read the last chapter. We know what happens. We win. And instead of waiting to walk like winners when we get to heaven, we should walk like winners today on earth right now abundant life. That's what Jesus promised that we can have. And we, get, we don't have to wait till heaven. 
one day, someday. We can have it right now. Because Paul, when he talked about that tough time, this is how he ends it. And it's so beautiful. I love this passage of scripture. Watch this. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. Why, Paul? Because we're weak. So we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Mm. He raises the dead. Jesus takes dead things and brings them to life. So here's the good news. Tonight, if your hope is dead, Jesus can bring it back to life. If your peace is dead, Jesus can bring it back to life. If your joy is dead, Jesus can bring it back to life. If there's something broken and falling apart, Jesus and only Jesus can put it back together. And Jesus in you is unstoppable because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So Jesus, right now, I just wanna ask you, every single person in this room, for us just to get real with you for a moment. God, for those wrestling with anxiety, for those wrestling with depression, for those who have had thoughts of suicide, God, I just ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to so many people in this room, so many people watching online. Let us know you got a plan it's better than anything we could imagine. It's greater, it's higher. And Father, I pray that in these next few moments that we would just seek you knowing that you will answer, knowing you will meet us when we call out to you. Jesus, thank you so much that that song based completely on scripture is true. God, I pray right now over every single person in this room. God, there's somebody here tonight fighting a battle and they feel like they're losing. Father, I pray that you would just remind us that in you we have victory, that we have overcome, that we are victorious, that we can walk like winners, not just in heaven, but, but here on earth. Right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know what battle you brought in here with you. This is what I do know. Jesus is stronger. So maybe your first step towards victory is just finally confessing to Jesus, I can't fight this anymore. If you need somebody to pray with you or for you tonight, we would love to serve you in that way. We've got care team volunteers. All you gotta do is step out of your aisles and walk out the back doors. We've got care team volunteers that will meet you back there, pray with you, listen to you, pray for you, won't judge you. They are, they are here to serve. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never, listen, you can't have victory because you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And you know tonight you need to ask Jesus to come in and be your savior. You need to become a Christian. You need to give your life to him. You need to surrender your life to him. So if that's you and you know you need to pray to receive Christ tonight, I wanna lead you in a prayer. And I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna ask you to repeat it back to me out loud. We pray it out loud here at Second Chance, but not alone because everybody in our Second Chance family, we're gonna pray it with you 
so you will know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by so many people in this room. So if you know you need to pray to receive Christ, if you're in this room or you're online, just pray with me out loud. Just say, Jesus Christ. Everybody, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer, you just asked Christ into your heart, do me a favor because I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Would you do me a favor and just raise your hand and just leave it up for just a second? I just want to make sure I see everybody. I want to make sure I see the hand. Raise them high. Raise them high. Father, I want to thank you all day long, God, that you have saved people. Every service today, Jesus, you have saved people. Father, I want to pray that as they walk out of this place that they would know that you have wiped the record clean and they are brand new. And for everyone in this room, God, I pray that we would walk out of this room knowing we can trust in you. We can trust you with our weaknesses. We can trust you with where we struggle. We can trust you with our pain because Jesus, you always shatter darkness. May your light shine in us this week as we walk in this world. May we walk not in apology, but in victory. And all God's people that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Man, me too. Y'all have a great week and we'll see y'all back next Sunday.